New Year's Day, 2013. As was my custom at Cross Life Church in El Dorado, I went to my study and I lay on the floor fasting and praying. And I have to be honest with you, I was upset. I was not happy because of the results of the election of 2012. And I began to seek God about America and America's future. And I said, Lord, are we finished? Is this nation over as we knew it, leftist extremist, infiltrating the educational systems, the, the political system, the, uh, especially the journalism of this nation. We have no ability in this nation at this moment to get truth, real truth. And I began to seek the Lord that day, and he said this to me. He said, I want you to stand up and prophesy Sunday morning and at that time, we were on worldwide television on the church channel. And I want you to preach to not only the nation, but the world, that in 2016, I'm going to give the United States of America one last chance. And America will accept my opportunity. And the United States of America will elect the most pro-Israel president in the history of this country. Now, I have to tell you, I was scared. Because at the current climate of our nation in 2013, I said, there's no way. And God said to me, if the evangelical Christians of this nation will go and show up and vote, what you're prophesying will happen. I have to say to you today that I stood with fear and trembling and prophesied that in our church to the state of Arkansas and to the world. And that poses a question. Does God get involved in politics? Does God get involved in the raising up and the establishing of leaders of nations? Well, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible said, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. Now, I'm going to stop right there for time's sake. But here's what I want you to understand. God has given us a free will, and God will give a nation what it wants. And God gave the United States of America what it has wanted for a very long time. And finally, in 2016, God gave this nation an opportunity to step outside of the Republican Party and to step outside of the Democratic Party and give a voice to the ecclesia in America. Now, I spoke for years about the remnant, and I called it the remnant, and thankfully, Apostle Nash gave me his teaching on ecclesia, and I realized that is the biblical definition of who we are. We are God's ecclesia in the nation, and what we declare and decree in faith from this book is exactly what is determined in this country. The Republicans and the Democrats, and not even the president, are the hope of America. You and I are the hope of the United States of America and this last great awakening. I want to just very briefly as an introduction show you the pattern that this nation has had since its beginning 
Because it does matter who the president is. Even though we are a republic, not a democracy, we're a republic, and there's a difference. Don't have time to explain that. But even though we're a republic with three branches of government, it does matter who the president of this country is. And it matters greatly how that president treats the nation of Israel. For the Bible said that God will bless those that bless you, Israel, and he will curse him, the individual who curses Israel. You can go all the way back to the Revolutionary War, and you're very aware of the appeal to heaven. And you're very aware of the fact that George Washington said, unless we make our appeal to heaven heard and clear, we have no opportunity to win this war. But what most Americans don't know is, is there was a Jewish man named Hyman Solomon who loaned our military the money to win that war. He was never paid back. But we were in a relational covenant with Israel at that moment. This nation blessed Zion. We blessed Israel. We move into the early 1900s. Look at how this three-stranded cord works. How America treats Israel directly affects our economy and our spiritual climate. In the early 1900s, we joined forces with Great Britain and General Allenby to go into the land known as Palestine. Now, there's no such name in Aramaic or Arabic because the Aramaic language does not have a P, so it's not a legitimate name. But Great Britain gave them the name as a catchphrase concerning the Philistines who had lived there. The Philistines were Europeans, by the way. They were not from the Middle East. And so what we see is that Great Britain, the United States, win World War I, we liberate that land from the Turkish Ottoman Empire who had owned that place for a thousand years. The Jewish people began to return to their homeland by the thousands. And what happened in in the United States of America. In 1879 to 1914, God began to birth a modern-day Pentecostal movement in the United States of America that has touched the world and brought more people into the kingdom of God than any other move of the Holy Spirit in the history of this nation. What happened to our economy? Our nation's economy began to rise. We began to become the world superpower militarily. And then, unfortunately, a Republican president named Woodrow Wilson became the first leftist extremist progressive in the United States of America. And because of his anti-Semitism and treatment toward those Jews returning home, now our nation goes into the Great Depression and the Roaring Twenties die and the nation goes broke. And then we have God raise up a Democratic president who, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who rises up to stand against Hitler and stand against Nazism and our nation with the help of Almighty God drives Hitler and the Germans out of France back across Europe. We win the war against Japan and God liberates the Jewish people from oppression and death. Do you know that six million Jews lost their lives but also six million Gentiles lost their lives to Hitler because they were trying to protect the Jews. Some people say the church was silent during the Holocaust. 14,000 German pastors lost their lives trying to save the lives of Jewish people. And so our nation liberates those Jewish people from oppression. And our president, a good Southern Baptist, who was known to cuss real good, named Harry Truman, was the first man in 1948 to pick up the phone and call Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion of Israel and say, we bless Zion, we bless Israel. And what happens for our country? 
What happens for our country is the Industrial Revolution makes us the richest nation on earth. And watch what happens. The healing revivals break out with Oil Roberts and A.A. Allen and, 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 and um, William Branham. And the healing revivals are causing people to be born again by the thousands and the thousands. And mainline denominations like Southern Baptist and Methodist have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they're winning people to Jesus. And the church is flourishing in America. And then we come into the 1960s when the very first non-establishment president was ever elected in this country. His name was John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy was hated by the Democrats and he was hated by the Republicans because he was a Catholic. John F. Kennedy came in as a very conservative president who was against communism and who blessed Israel. And because of that, he unveiled some economic policies that would cause the United States to flourish until 1976. John F. Kennedy was murdered in his administration because he knew the true power behind the the, the, the politics of this nation. And two weeks before he was assassinated, he stood on national television and exposed the behind the closed doors, under the table powers that were ruling and controlling this nation from within. He exposed secret societies and people who belonged to them. He exposed where the power was in this country. And in two weeks, he was murdered. But John F. Kennedy unleashed economic policies that blessed this nation. Then we move into the 70s, which is now an era of time I'm familiar with. We were born in 1967. 1967, on June the 7th at 7 a.m., by a miracle of God, Israel took the Temple Mount and the West Bank back in Jerusalem, and our nation blessed them to do so. But then we come into the 70s, and one of the one of the most anti-Semitic presidents, I don't know if you know this or not, we ever had was Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon hated the Jews and hated and what happened to him. And then Gerald Ford was not a fan of the Jewish nation or the nation of Israel. So this country elects another Southern Baptist guy that they think is going to bless Israel. And to be honest with you, I, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but we elected the worst president this country's ever had. His name was Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter began to side with the PLO. And Jimmy Carter began to put pressure on Israel to sign peace treaties and force them to sign a peace treaties with Egypt. Jimmy Carter brought a curse upon this nation because he poked the apple of God's eye in the eye and God poked this nation right back. Jimmy Carter didn't understand that when the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, it's not talking about how I treat you and you treat me. It's talking about how we treat Israel. So President Jimmy Carter, by the end of his administration, has caused us to be in a gas shortage. How many of you remember sitting in line like I did as a child with your parents for two hours to get gas? See, that's unthinkable to those of you younger than us. You can't imagine in America sitting in line for two hours just to get a tank of gas. You can't imagine interest rates at the bank being 21%. And every business built on borrowing money went bankrupt in this country. I'm just telling you, my father was a bivocational Baptist pastor at that time selling real estate, and he went bankrupt because no one could borrow money to buy anything. Why? Because he poked Israel in the eye, and God took his hand of blessing off this nation. But something wonderful happened. A man named Dr. Jerry Falwell, who started the Moral Majority in Lynchburg, Virginia, 
of which my father was a part. Dr. Jerry Falwell said, look, we've got to lay down our differences, whether we're Baptists or Charismatics or Methodists or whatever we are. We've got to come together because the nation is hanging in the balance. We're the laughingstock of the world. We have hostages in Iran, and our military is the laughingstock of the world. And that group of men, Dr. Jerry Falwell and Dr. Adrian Rogers and Dr. Charles Stanley and Oral Roberts and, and Pat Robertson and all of these great men and women of God got on an airplane and flew to California. And they went in the governor's office in California, and they laid hands on the second non-establishment president this nation ever had. His name was Ronald Reagan. And they prophesied over him, God is raising you up to be a deliverer to America. Ronald Reagan was hated by the Republicans. He was hated by the Democrats. They didn't want him to be in power. But God's people, his ecclesia, stepped up and stepped into their destiny. And Ronald Reagan... Even though the media two weeks before the election said that the, 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 the election polls were tied, you have figured out that they lie, right? You have figured out that the fake news media, and I don't care if it's the Communist News Network, CNN, and I don't care if it's Fox News. Most people understand Fox News is owned by a radical Muslim. It's owned by a radical Muslim who found out he could become extremely rich by catering to conservatives in America because there was no one doing that. He learned quickly about capitalism. Watch this. So the news media says that the polls are tied. Ronald Reagan won that election by winning 48 out of 50 states in a landslide. Non-establishment president, watch this. Three months into his administration, they tried to assassinate him. Who? The Republicans and the Democrats who lost control. He was shot with a 22 bullet that was designed to detonate into shrapnel and blow his heart all to pieces. The 22 bullet missed his heart by a quarter of an inch and did not detonate. In his testimony, not mine, laying in the hospital, he said, as I lay there, Jesus Christ walked into my hospital room. I did not see him, but I heard his voice. And he said, Ronnie, I have spared your life to do one thing on this earth, and that's destroy communism. Ronald Reagan, with the hand of God on him, destroyed communism. The Western Wall in Berlin fell, the Eastern Wall, I should say, fell, and revival broke out all over Eastern Europe all over Russia and the Holy Spirit began to be poured out with signs, wonders, and miracles. And Ronald Reagan blessed Israel for the first time now. For the first time in over a decade, we had a president who would bless Israel. And he unleashed economic policies, ladies and gentlemen, that carried this nation into prosperity until 2008. Bill Clinton did not create a booming economy. Bill Clinton rode the policies of Ronald Reagan, and thankfully he did, that caused this nation to flourish like never before. Then we come to George H.W. Bush, a Republican, who's the first president in the history of this country to stand in a summit in Europe and look at the prime minister of Israel and demand that he give land for peace. And the day he said it, a nor'easter formed off the eastern coast of Maine. They wrote a book and made a movie about it called The Perfect Storm. And guess where it hit? It hit his house and almost totally demolished the president's home in Kenny Buckport, Maine. You don't fool with Israel. 
we come to President Bill Clinton, who was taught by his Baptist pastor to honor Israel and love Israel, but he got caught up in the politics of the Middle East, and Bill Clinton signed one of the most damning documents against Israel in their history called the Oslo Accords with Yasser Arafat of the PLO. And the day he signed it, Monica Lewinsky hit the news. And then we come to George W. Bush, who comes in, everything seems to be good, the economy's trying to come back, trying to continue, we have 9-11, but something happened at the end of his eight years that I haven't understood to this day. Somehow he lost his mind, because he comes into an agreement with Ariel Sharon to sign a treaty that forces 80,000 Jews out of their homes in Gaza. Ariel Sharon, the president of Israel, and President George W. Bush take military Israeli soldiers into Gaza. Now you think about this. You're, You're from Mississippi. I'm from Arkansas. Some of us have family who've lived on the same piece of land for 100 years. Can you imagine the National Guard showing up on that land and demanding by gunpoint that you leave the house and leave the property that no longer belongs to you? That's what they did to 80,000 Jewish families. You can go on YouTube and and you can look this up at the people screaming and crying and praying and, and begging them not to rip them out of their homes. And ladies and gentlemen, you can't make this up. The day, the very day they removed those 80,000 families, a storm formed off of the west coast of Africa named Katrina and America lost 800,000 homes. I don't believe in coincidence. The economy fell in the fall of 2008. People went bankrupt, lost homes, banks went out of business. And then America elected the most anti-Semitic, Jew-hating president in our history, President Barack Obama. He hated Israel. He hated the Jews. He hated everything about it, did everything he could to destroy them. He took a half a million dollars of your taxpayer money and gave it to the opponent of Prime Minister Netanyahu to get him beat in an election. And it looked like Prime Minister Netanyahu would lose, but he didn't because God's hand was on him. When they brought Prime Minister Netanyahu to the White House for the first time after President Obama's election, he brought him through the servants' quarters and didn't give him an an official welcome. And then when he sat him down in the Oval Office, he put his feet up on his desk, which in Jewish culture is the same thing as giving him the finger. And God began piece by piece by piece to allow the economy, to allow the spiritual climate of America, to allow every part of this nation to decline. You didn't hear about it on the news media, but there were so many people out of work for so long, they quit even reporting the unemployment rate. And in 2013, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, I'm going to give America one last chance. But it's going to depend on electing a man who will bless Israel. And in 2016, how many of you would agree with me? There was no way. It's a modern day miracle that Donald John Trump got elected. It's a modern day miracle. There's no way on paper. No way. Absolutely no way. I mean, look, he wasn't my pick. He wasn't who I supported. 
There's a lot of things about his demeanor and things that, you know, I certainly am not a fan of. But here's what he did do. He said, we're moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And he's the first president that ever kept his word. He said, I'm going to take the shackles off of the church and quit letting the IRS threaten your tax-exempt status so that you can stand up and preach what God tells you to preach. And he did it. He's the first president in the history of this country, the first Republican, may I say, who said, I am pro-life, and he's actually doing things to prove that because the rest of them were liars. Both Bushes and all of them, except for Reagan, hijacked the pro-life issue in the church to get votes. They lied. I'm here telling you today that Republicans and Democrats are not the hope of America, and Donald John Trump's not the hope of America. The fact that we could elect someone who will bless Israel so this nation can be, elected, uh, can be blessed, that is the hope of America, and that's you. You are the move of this nation. Now, in 2016, right before the election, I preached this message for the first time. And I prophesied in this message, here's what God's offering to Donald John Trump. He's offering him the Cyrus anointing. God's going to raise up a Cyrus because God's people have been in captivity. And Cyrus is going to be given the authority and the anointing to deliver God's people. You say, how can that happen? Because he's going to bless Israel. And he's going to bless the church. Here's what... I prophesied, and I ask you, has this come to pass? God said, first of all, I'm promising the nation, the United States of America, that I will restore your status as a world superpower if this man is elected. In Isaiah chapter 45, and by the way, it's no coincidence, he's the 45th president of the United States. And in Isaiah 45, he said, I said to the Lord, my anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings. God said, I've anointed Cyrus. Cyrus was a pagan. Cyrus didn't even know God. He was the king of Persia. God said, but I'm going to raise him up and anoint him, and I'm going to anoint him to be the world leader. Since President Donald John Trump has been elected, I ask you, has our military come back and stopped being the laughingstock of the world? Have we stopped apologizing to the world about who we are and what we are? Have we stopped walking around telling people, well, if you'll just be nicer to radical Muslims, they won't blow up your Twin Towers anymore. No, we finally elected someone who's a patriot who loves this country and rebuilt our military. The other thing God told me that he would do in our nation if we elected this man is he would give the double portion of prosperity back to this country. He said, I'm going to open before him double doors. Double doors in the Old Testament means double portion. I'm going to pour out a double portion blessing of prosperity on the nation and the gates will not be shut. We've got the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years in this nation. The average family is keeping $200 a month more of their money than what they were giving to the government before. This nation has not lived in the economic prosperity that it's in right now. Never been seen in my lifetime. God said, I'm going to promise to release my power in the church as a result of the Cyrus anointing. He said, awakening is not coming, it's here. He said, I will go before you. In verse 2, I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. 
God said, I'm going to send an awakening. Can I tell you, because of personal relationships that I've been blessed to have, I can tell you things about this president that the media sure won't tell you. I can tell you that there are 15 spirit-filled, tongue-talking men that pray with him on the phone every day. I can tell you that there is a tongue-talking woman of God who teaches Melania the Bible and prays with her, and Melania is a spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian. And how many of you know that even if God can't get your attention, the woman you go to bed with can get you to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do? Ladies, there's your opportunity right there to say amen. <laughs> I can tell you that not just Paula White is an advisor to the president, but he, he calls once a month 600 of the leading pastors of America, one of which is Pastor Happy Caldwell in Little Rock, Arkansas. And they counsel with him. I can tell you that there is a man that I can't tell you who he is, but he's one of the most prophetic voices of America and has been for 30 or 40 years. And I can tell you that not one decision is made by the president concerning Israel unless this spirit-filled, tongue-talking pastor gives him the thumbs up. I understand he still cusses sometimes, but so do I. Never trust a preacher who won't cuss when he gets in a bind. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm just telling you right now. That's just, that's, that's how my daddy raised me, and that's just the way it is. Awakening is not coming to America. Awakening is here. God is making the crooked places straight and all the, where it's been hard and we've plowed the ground and it's been hard. Now it's easy and the Holy Spirit is by the wind of his power moving the ecclesia forward. And then in verse three, he said, I will give you the treasures of darkness, hidden riches in secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, have called you by your name and the God of Israel. There is a transfer of wealth being released from the wicked to the righteous. What you see in Hollywood, I have been prophesying along with a lot of other people for 10 years. I said, God, Holy Ghost is going to show up in the entertainment world. And the Holy Ghost is going to sweep people like Kanye West into the kingdom of God. And like Kim Kardashian. And like uh, Brad Pitt. And, and like all of these actors and actresses. And when he sweeps them in, he's sweeping their wealth into the kingdom. And I'm sick to death of a bunch of religious bigot nut jobs who want to criticize and analyze, well, is Kanye really saved? Listen, the Bible said, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Don't be hating the fact that God used somebody like Saul who just came out of murdering. Now he's turned him around and thousands of people are being saved. Hallelujah. If I was some religious legalist, I would keep my hands off of Kanye West right now because it's obvious God's hands are on him. Amen. We see God moving this transfer of wealth from the entertainment world. Go and, and look at what's happening in the country music industry and how many of these people are absolutely putting God, Jesus Christ, front and center in everything they're doing. Hollywood. The entertainment world. And now all of a sudden a bunch of religious legalists are offended that God chose to use them. I thought that's what we were praying for. It is. Hallelujah. The transfer of wealth. Everybody say the transfer of wealth is here. 
you're going to have houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig. I'm telling you, God's bringing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord, the Lord just gave me a number, five. The number five is grace. The Lord said, by my grace, I'm about to raise up five multimillionaires in this congregation today. If that's for you, you better grab a hold of it and take it. God's really going to mess with the religious crowd because some of you out there are going to win the lottery and that's really going to mess some preachers up. Hallelujah. Just remember I prophesied it and send the tithe to Cross Life Church in Little Rock, okay? <laughs> After you tithe to this house. Do you understand that anything the devil has ever taken from you still exists out there somewhere? And God's getting ready to give it back seven times. God promised the nation we'd be a world superpower again. God promised us that there would be a great awakening, a transfer of wealth. And now God's promised in Isaiah 45 that Israel is about to come into the early and the latter rain. For time's sake, I'm not going to read all these verses, but if you just get down to verse 8, he said, when Cyrus brings my people out of captivity and they come back to their rightful place, rain down you heavens from above and let the skies pour down rain and righteousness and let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. Do you see that verse? Let them, let who? The Jewish people bring forth salvation. The greatest revival the world will ever know will be led by 144,000 Jews who are full of the Holy Ghost and Yeshua preaching the gospel to the world and we're going to get to see it. We're going to get to witness it as they confess that Yeshua is the Hamashiach. He is the Messiah. And Jesus Christ is going to raise up Zion once again. If you, could, if you could go with me to Israel in the spring of 2021, it blow your mind to see this land. What was a desert, top to bottom, east to west, when the British liberated it in 1917, there's not one piece of earth on that land that's not producing massively. The technology that's coming out of Israel is unparalleled. The wisdom, do you know all of our intelligence, all of our Middle East intelligence comes from Israel. They know things we don't know. And they can do things we can't do. Do you think they're bothered by Iran and the Ayatollah? They won't, even have to, they won't even have to drop a bomb. All Israel's got to do is push a button and shut their entire computer network down. Why? Because God's hands on Zion. I have people say to me all the time, why are you such a, a promoter of Israel? Because I have a covenant given to a man named Abraham, ratified by the blood of Yeshua. And if God don't keep his word to Israel, the salvation you claim to have is not worth anything. Judaism doesn't need Christianity to stand, but Christianity must have Judaism to be legitimate. Because our Messiah is a Jewish rabbi with Smeka. And when he comes back, he's coming back to the Jerusalem. Well, why was it a big deal for President Trump to move the, the embassy there? Because he declared Jerusalem not only the capital of Israel, but the capital of all of creation, which is what it is. Jerusalem is the Garden of Eden. Jerusalem is where Adam and Eve lived for 40 years before they sinned and owned and ruled the world. 
all of the world's wealth, all of the diamonds and the gold and the emeralds and the rubies and sapphires grew on trees in Jerusalem and came up out of the rivers in Jerusalem. I'll take you to the place where Melchizedek, who was Shem, the son of Noah, was worshipped, was worshipping God where Abraham brought his tithe. They have uncovered and discovered that place of worship in Zion, in Mount Zion. I don't know why I said all of that other than to say God is raising up Zion one more time. Now let me, let me bring this thing. I'm nowhere near finished, but I'm going to bring it in for Atlanta. We're, we're going to be like flying into Atlanta. Right? We're circling right now. So. What is the result of the Cyrus anointing on this nation and in your life? The result of God raising up Cyrus is this. In Hebrew, the number five is grace. The number seven is perfection. If you have two sevens, it's double portion. It's God opening up heaven and pouring out a double portion. Nine is the number of birthing. Okay, we just entered in at Rosh Hashanah 5780. But the prophetic revelation being given to us right now is not 5780, it's 5779 because they started the calendar with a one, not a zero. Do you follow me? When this baby is born, we will not say that Zion, if that's who or what he or she is, we will say that baby is a year old, right? No, we'll say one day old and a week old and a month old, and it'll take a year to say a year old. Well, when they started the calendar, when God started the calendar, he started with a one. So prophetically, you're a year behind. And if you'll apply that to what's going on in your life in the last two or three years, you'll understand why what all of these prophetic Hebrew prophetic people were prophesying wasn't happening in your life. It's because they were prophesying a year too early. So we're in 5779 prophetically. Five is grace, double portion, birthing. So God's releasing a double portion into the ecclesia from heaven by his grace that is birthing you into this third day. Then we come next year into 5780, which is five, perfecting, eight's new beginnings, and 10 is completion in Hebrew. So God this year is pouring out a double portion. What is that? A double portion of wealth, health, and influence. That's the covenant of Abraham. Health, wealth, and influence. My book on the one new man out there will tell you your covenant right is health, wealth, and influence. Everybody say, my covenant right is health, wealth, and influence. That's why the Bible called Abraham rich. He was the richest man in the world. He owned all the water in the travelways of the Middle East. I'm telling you, God's giving some of you the, the wells of wealth this year. That's birthing you into your destiny. Five and seven, two sevens are double portioned by God's grace birthing you. And next year, you're going to be perfected into the fullness of the completion of your destiny. Let me make this simple for you. Here's what I just said. Everything God's prophesied to you and promised to you in your walk with him is going to be given to you in the next two years. Your destiny is about to be really, we're going to quit talking about our destiny and we're going to demonstrate our destiny. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit says that this building is not big enough to handle what's on the way. You'll have to go to multiple services. 
Because listen, what's, I'm not being critical. Anyone who's preaching the gospel, I'm for them. I, I, I promise. But people are going to move out of the dairies and they're going to go to the processor house and get fed some meat. They're tired. This generation is running out of patience with the milk and the shallowness and the emptiness of modern day church. This great awakening is bringing this generation back to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So having given you those numbers, here's what happens in the next two years. Number one, all bondage is broken. Your sons and daughters and your grandchildren strung out on drugs, I'm telling you, angels are going to walk into their bedroom and shake them by the nap of the neck and say, it's time for you to come into your destiny. And God's going to bring them out of the meth houses and the crack houses and out of the prostitute ring. And God's going to, listen, I'm telling you, when this thing hits, Memphis churches like this won't be big enough. What you've been doing in this house for the last 16 years is building an infrastructure to get ready for what's coming. Bondage is broken. Do you understand, Cyrus? I've raised you up, anointed your right hand, which is the hand of authority, and you're going to subdue kings and nations and go into Babylon because I have a remnant. I've got some seed in Babylon who were born in bondage, who've never been to Jerusalem, and you're going to go over there. And you know what literally happened when Cyrus took his army and he went to Babylon? It was a fortress impenetrable. But the river Euphrates split the city of ancient Babylon and they had, they had bronze gates and iron bars that were lowered into the water into the river at night. So you couldn't penetrate the city. It was impossible. But God said, look, Cyrus, when you get up and you move towards your destiny, I'm going to then go before you and I'm going to tear open the gates and tear down the iron bars. So when Cyrus arrives in Babylon that night, somebody forgot to lock the door. And he walked in in the riverbed, unnoticed, undetected. And when when the Babylonians woke up the next day, they were already in captivity. I'm to, in Hebrew, you have to understand numbers. Because, watch this. Because Judah, the Levites, the keepers of God's house, because they didn't want to lose their brothers in the northern kingdom. Israel was a divided kingdom at that time. So Judah, the keepers of God's house and the keepers of the Torah, said to their brothers in the north, okay, you've decided not to come to Jerusalem and keep the feast, so you can go ahead and worship God up there on your, in Hebron at your golden calf, and you can go ahead and be loyal to the king of Assyria. And the Bible said that Judah moved the landmarks. In other words, they rewrote what this said to accommodate the culture. And God said, because you have changed my word to accommodate the culture, I'm sending you into captivity. And he sent them there for 70 years. Remember again, seven's the number of perfection. I'm sending you there because I'm going to complete your divine perfection. Ten's the number of completion. What, what did he do? He completed their divine perfection for 70 years in bondage. 
what you thought was hell in your life and what you thought the devil was doing to you and what you thought was horrible and hard. And listen, God has been using all of the hell and the tribulation in your life to perfect you and complete you to get you to this moment. Because if he had given you 10 years ago what you wanted him to do, it would have destroyed you. So God has brought you to this place 70 years. Do you understand 70 is, is a divine number? Moses had 70 elders. Jerusalem kept 70 years of Sabbaths while they were in captivity. Jesus sent out 70 disciples. The Sanhedrin was made up of 70 members. We just celebrated. Jesus taught 70 parables. We just celebrated 70 years since Israel had become a nation. Meaning this, in 2019, we moved into a new cycle of 70, which is a new beginning. It's a new birthing. The next 70 years, this is the generation. I said, this is the generation where he shall pour his spirit out on all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. 70. We just started a new cycle. What is that cycle? Acts chapter 3 verse 19. The times of refreshing are coming. Because the heavens are retaining Jesus. Jesus can't come back. Until this awakening hits. Do you know that? There are gloom and doom people out there. there. I'm not trying to offend you. But there are people in the Christian world out there. Building bunkers and selling poop buckets. You're a good salesman. When you can sell somebody a five gallon bucket. With a toilet seat on it. Because it's going to get so bad. That the infrastructure in Memphis won't work anymore. So you're going to have to poop in a bucket. And go bury it in the backyard. I, listen give me a break. Come on. But there are Christians out there that believe the apocalypse is upon us and that we're, you know, we're going to lose all electricity and we're going to lose this. Let me, let me tell you something. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. And I'm telling you right now, if he has to send a crow to my house to feed me and birth a rock in my living room to give me a drink, he's going to take care of me. This spirit of fear that's coming out of certain segments of Christianity just blow my mind. God is sending a season of refreshing. Acts 3.19, because the heavens can't release Jesus until it comes. He's coming back for a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for a beat up, worn out old hag that's barely hanging on by the snaggle tooth in her mouth. He's coming back for a bride that is on fire and glowing with the glory of God. Everybody say all bondage is broken. When Cyrus is in authority, all prophecies are fulfilled. If you want to understand what happened in this Cyrus anointing, you read Isaiah 45, you read Jeremiah, who was the prophet prophesying this. These, Isaiah 45 and Jeremiah, these were at least 150 years before Cyrus ever came on the scene. And then if you want to read it being fulfilled, go to Ezra and Nehemiah. So look at Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Everybody say the first year. What did God do? He said that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Every prophecy God has prophesied. And this great man of God has stacks of them. Words prophesied all the way back. We know of words prophesied by Corey Ten Boom over Arkansas. Yeah. Catherine Kuhlman. Yeah. 
the great people of that move of God of yesteryear, they prophesied a greater day coming. Billy Graham prophesied that when the Native Americans came into their assignment in the kingdom of God, that great revival would sweep the nation. So what did God prophesy? What is God promising you is going to happen in the next two years in your life? Well, let's look at what Jeremiah said. He said in Jeremiah 25, 12, it will come to pass that when 70 years are complete, I will punish. That word in Hebrew means I will intervene on your behalf, the king of Babylon and that nation. I will make it a perpetual desolation. Number one, God is getting ready to punish all of your oppressors. God is getting ready to punish diabetes and heart disease and cancer. God's getting ready to punish people who have maligned you and lied about you and talked about you and hated you. In the process, may I warn you, be careful who and what you criticize because you can never have what you criticize. Let me say that again. You missed that. You can never have what you criticize. He's getting ready to punish your oppressors. The enemy that you've been battling and fighting, God's about to take him to the woodshed. Number two, he's getting ready to prosper his remnant, his ecclesia. Look at Jeremiah 29.10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years of completing Babylon, I will visit you and perform. That word perform is the same Hebrew word as punish. I will intervene on your behalf, my good word towards you. What is God going to do to prosper you? He is going to fulfill his word in your life. He is going to return you to a place of covenant. He brought them back to the land. He is going to release his favor upon you. Look, when you read Jeremiah 29, 11, you know that. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts, listen, I have devised a plan, the Hebrew says. I have devised a plan for peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. God is releasing his divine favor upon you in this season. Everybody say, favor ain't fair. And say, I'm daddy's favorite. Come on, look at your neighbor and high five. Say, I'm daddy's favorite. Do you know what the Hebrew word favor really means? Listen to this. Now, don't miss this. Do you know what the Hebrew word favor really means? It means when your greatest enemy dumps dump truck loads of blessings on your life and don't even know why they're doing it. You got bosses that are jerks that are going to promote you. And before it's all said and done, they're going to be fired and you're going to run the place. Everybody say favor. Everybody say favor. You're going to get promoted from people who would never promote you in their life. You're going to be blessed by people who don't even like you. I'm telling you, people are going to write checks to these ministries who don't even like us, and they don't even know why they're writing them. They're just going to start sending them. The Lord said, I'm going to favor you also by hearing your prayers. Look at verse 12. He said, when you call on me, I will listen to you. We're not just going through religious motions when we're making decrees and declarations. We are writing things in the heavens that are going to come back to earth. And then he's going to captivate the whole world with his glory. Look at verse 13. You will seek me and find me. Search for me with all your heart. Don't miss that last statement. Who is this ecclesia? The ones who've given God their whole heart. The ones who've said, Lord, nothing's off the table. Whatever you want, it's yours. 
Now listen, and I'll be finished. This third day prophecy concerning Cyrus. I challenge you, if you don't like the president, that's between you and God. But I'd keep my mouth off of him. He's the man of authority. I wouldn't curse my anointing. He's there because God put him there. And God has put him there to bless Israel. Because by blessing Israel, he can bless this nation. That's just the way it is. And this, this news media, I'm telling you, I'd be careful. There's going to be more and more funerals if they're not careful. More and more people losing their jobs. If you think that, if you think that they're bothered in Washington, in the White House, about the impeachment or the inquiry and all that, let me tell you something. They're, I'm convinced. They're doing stuff behind the scenes. They're uncovering dirt on Pelosi and Schiff who is a pedophile, by the way, who ought to be sitting in prison. He violated the laws of the United States of America and took campaign money to pay off a 19-year-old boy that he slept with. That's how dirty and nasty this thing is. And you just wait, because at the right time, President Trump and his allies are going to expose all of them. They're going to expose all of them. There are going to be a lot of folks going to prison. Because what they intend to do to him, Haman is going to get hung on his own gallows. But here's what this means for you, and I, I promise I'm closing. In Ezra chapter 5, verse 2. Ezra 5, verse 2. The Bible says, So Zerubbabel and Jeshua rose up and began to build the house of God. Cyrus went into Babylon and he said, the God of Israel has called me to build him a house and to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. Who will go? And Zerubbabel and Jeshua were born in Babylon. They'd never been to Israel. But these two young men stood up and said, we'll go. You know who they were? Zerubbabel was the king of Israel. And Jeshua was the high priest. Here's what God wants me to say to you and leave in your spirit today. Because Cyrus is in authority, the true kings and the true priests are going to rise up in the nation and take their rightful place. And when the kings and priests take their rightful place, the glory of the Lord is visiting this country like never before. Everybody say, I'm a king and I'm a priest. Here's even better. And so Cyrus made a decree rebuilding the temple and said, Babylon, everything you stole out of that temple has got to be put back. Babylon, when we rebuild the walls and we rebuild the temple, guess what? You're going to write the check and pay for it. Here's what God's getting ready to do. He's getting ready to finance his kingdom and his work in your life and make the devil pay for it. When will we see this? really began to be unleashed. Well, now, but in Ezra chapter 6, verse 15, the temple was finished on the third day. Everybody say the third day. You're living in the third day. Do you know that? A day where the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. We've been two days since Jesus came. I was wrong. I thought the third day started at the turn of the century, but it didn't. 
It didn't start until Rosh Hashanah 2018 because the Roman calendar's off by 18 years. When I figured that out, it made more sense. You entered the third day at Rosh Hashanah, not this past fall, but the one before. And in the third day, the glory of the Lord shall be rebuilt. And when was the temple finished? The Bible said, if you just skip on down to verse 19, they kept the Passover at Passover. It's not a coincidence that your apostle said, we're going to have a Passover again in this house. Because at Passover in 2020, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning. He said, in 2020, those who come to my table and attend, and attend my table and attend to my Passover, there are nine commanded blessings for everyone who put their feet under God's table at Passover. And he said, I'm going to give them 2020 vision about my kingdom and their destiny at Passover in 2020. I'm just telling you, when I started keeping the feast, not because I had to, but because I wanted to, we're not trying to make Jews out of anybody. You're a Gentile, most likely. If you're a Jew, that's, that's okay. There are only two races of people, Jews and Gentiles. But if you're a Gentile, we're not trying to turn you into a Jew. You need to be a Gentile so the one new man can function. I get, I get ticked off at these radical Gentile Christians who try to legalize everybody into Judaism. Jesus came and Paul told the church at Galatia, that's witchcraft. You don't have to keep the feast to be blessed. You don't have to keep the feast to go to heaven. You don't Listen, you do it because there are nine commanded blessings at Passover. And I've experienced all of them for the last 10 years. So the Bible said in verse 21, they kept the Passover and they sought the Lord. Listen, I'm, I'm finished. I gave you about 50% of this message. But I did what the Holy Spirit wanted me to do. I want to ask you to stand on your feet. Holy Spirit wants me to do something prophetically. Whoever these shofars belong to, if you would come and take them, if you, if you can blow them. Do these shofars belong to anyone in, in particular? In Numbers chapter 10, verse 9, when you go to war, sound the trumpet of God. And what happens when you sound the trump of God, and we do this in Cross Life Church at the beginning of every service because it releases the angelic host of heaven to war on your behalf. Prophetically, we're going to come in agreement with this word three times. We're going to prophetically agree for the blessing of Zion to be poured out in the third day because to the Jew first when the Bible says the first shall be last and the last shall be first that's talking about Israel it's not talking about you okay they were the first but they will be the last to come in to the kingdom of God and you and I who were last are first in the kingdom not positionally but just prophetically so we have the authority as those who are first to prophesy and design and come into agreement with God's word. And it's written in the record of heaven. I'm telling you that on November the 10th at Citygate in the open portal, 
in South Haven, Mississippi, there were a group of people who believed my word and prophesied into the heaven, and I was able to release angels all over Zion to make this come to pass. So what you're about to do is going to release Michael, the archangel of Israel, and all of his hosts to go, and this is going to start happening. Aren't you thankful God chose you to be here today to do this? I mean, you could have been anywhere else. Your name will be on record in heaven. She was there and participated in this ecclesia to see the glory of Zion return. So everybody say this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into agreement with your word today that the early and latter rain are being poured out on Zion. We speak to Michael and your heavenly host and we release you into Zion to bring about great awakening in the name of Jesus. Now while they blow that shofar, give the Lord the loudest shout you've got right now. Come on, shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, second declaration. Cyrus is in authority. And he will be reelected in 2020. Because God's just getting started. And God will do whatever he has to do. He will release Gabriel and his hosts. To take out whoever has to be taken out and to raise up whoever has to be raised up. Because he's just getting started in America. So this shout is for this nation. And an awakening over America. Say with me, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We command from your word the angels of heaven to cross this country and raise up and to tear down according to your will. And we decree that great awakening has come to America today from this open portal. We call it finished in the name of Jesus. Now give God a shout. Third, and after this I'm finished and I will submit this to the apostle. If there's anything that needs to be corrected, he is the apostle, he can correct it. I submit this to him for his judgment and this word. But this shout is for you. This shout is for the transfer of wealth to come into your life. This shout is for all the prodigals in your life to come home. This shout is for God to make the devil pay for your future and pay back seven times everything he stole. You're coming into agreement with what God's promised you. Houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig. This is your season. So say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I receive this promised word. My enemies will be oppressed. My enemies will be destroyed. Every promise that you have given me will be fulfilled in the next two years. 
in my life, birthing me into my destiny. I call forth the wealth that is mine. And I say, come forth. I say to the enemy, you must release what's mine and pay back seven times in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a great shout for yourself. Hallelujah.